Hello and welcome to another edition of the Raw Podcast. I'm your host, James Copley, and I'm joined today by just Phil Smith. Um, we've got lots to get into, so we're going to get straight into it. Uh, we've had two games since we last spoke, Phil, Wimbledon and Blackpool. Two pretty positive results in the end for Sunderland. Yeah, positive results and sort of the performances, I guess, were, were, were really positive in parts, certainly against Blackpool. Um, I think for a side... You know, I know Blackpool made a lot of changes as well, but for Sunderland to make as many changes as they did to field a, a team with an average age of, I think, just over 23, you know, three pretty much teenagers in the defence, to play with the kind of ambition and bravery that they did was really exciting to watch. Made loads of errors, of course they did, gave away some cheap goals, you know, loads to work on. But I think to watch the Sunderland side play in that front-foot manner um, against a side who are ultimately in the division above was really exciting and Wimbledon as well. I think, you know, first half, I think it was quite frustrating for everyone, none more so than Sunderland themselves. But then the second half, I thought we saw a real step up and, and ultimately two deserved wins, I think. And, you know, certainly Blackpool might felt that the result was slightly harsh on them, but certainly Wimbledon, you know, when we spoke to the, the head coach afterwards was, was very clear that he felt Sunderland were, were worthy winners. And for all the first half frustrations, I felt that was a fair assessment. There on everybody's lips at the moment across the two games is, is Mr. Dan Neal. He's had a, an outstanding um, two games, hasn't he? Blackpool in the middle, AFC Wimbledon left back. I mean, the pass for, for Aidan O'Brien's goal against Blackpool was, was sublime. Yeah, you've got to give him a huge amount of credit. We talk a lot about um, youngsters and pathways, um, and I think we are beginning to see that really change at Sunderland now in terms of giving these youngsters opportunities. But it will also always, at the end of the day, come down to youngsters taking those opportunities and improving them at that level. Because we talk a lot um, and we have rightly criticised someone for not really having that pathway to the senior team while they've been in League One, which has been a real shortcoming. You know, But ultimately, some of them do need to get results at this level. And so the players, when they get that opportunity, have to take it. And I think that's what's been so impressive about Dan Neal is that you know, he's, he's long been a player that people behind the scenes have been excited about because of what you've seen and what you've just referenced, that brilliant forward pass. Um, to come and do it repeatedly in the pressure of a senior environment is is not easy. And, you know, we were looking at the start of the pre-season thinking, well, he'll get some chances in pre-season, but then he might go out on loan. He's made himself an absolutely integral part of this squad. He's made himself arguably one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment. And that's a hugely impressive achievement. One thing I would say, as it's worth bearing in mind as well, that he has played more minutes than anyone at the club since the start of pre-season. So at some point, um, I imagine that Lee Johnson's going to drop him out of the side just briefly. Um, and we shouldn't take that as a as a criticism of his player or a sign that he's not a central player or whatever. I just think realistically, you've got a player who's barely played any senior football, who's gone to play just about every minute for th- two, three months. At some point, there's going to be a little, um, a little rest, I think, um, perhaps not too far in the future when more players are available etc but he's been outstanding he's been an absolute joy to watch and I think he probably sums up better than any player really this change in style this change in philosophy that we're, that we're seeing in the early stages of the season and for fans to see this story to witness it it's, it's almost a privilege isn't it to, to see a young player coming through the academy uh, getting into the first team who's from the area I mean you look at him you know, when Sutherland score a goal and he just looks absolutely over the moon you can tell he cares this is the sort of thing fans want to see especially against the backdrop of what we've seen or haven't seen over the past couple of years with a lot of youngsters leaving without really being given the chance. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think that, you know, Neil, Dan Neil was certainly one of those players who 
um, could have gone elsewhere over the last couple of years. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that is part of one of the kind of fantastic parts of the story was that he made very clear that he wanted to play for Sunderland. That was his goal. That was his ambition. So to see him realising that is is really exciting. And, and it's certainly not a knock on other players who've decided to go because let's take, for example, Barley Mumba, who, you know, didn't seem to be rated by the first team management at the time and didn't seem to have a pathway into the side. You can't really knock his decision to move to Norwich, can you? Because, you know, his final game um, before the pandemic, um, halted football was for South Shields. And then his first game back in front of fans is in the Premier League at the Etihad. Um, so you have to say that sometimes players move on and sometimes it's the right decision. Um, so it's certainly not a knock on other players and lads like Joe Hugel, who's doing exceptionally well at Man United. But without a doubt, it's it's incredibly exciting to see Dan Neil um, sort of begin to realise his potential that we know he has. And to do it here, it's it's a real treat to watch. And although he's in a slightly different age group and he's more of a senior player now, really, despite being still quite young, you know, obviously he's seen Elliot Embleton finally get that run of games that we've all called for as well and show what he's all about and show that that bravery and that slight football arrogance that he's got, I think, um, which is something that Sunderland have really needed in possession over the last couple of years. It's, it is it is a lot of fun at the moment watching Sunderland, even in those periods where they're frustrating and where it's not quite coming off because you can see the intent. And I have to say that, you know, after a pretty rough couple of years following this team, it, it, it's exciting at the moment. I am looking forward to watching them play. I'm enjoying the personality that a lot of these players have. And it's it's a good time to be to be watching them. You mentioned that enjoying watching young players come through and, and young players do make mistakes. I'm, I'm thinking of Callum Doyle, but the great thing at the moment seems to be the character and the spirit. He made the mistake against Blackpool, but he, he comes out, he brings the ball out of defence and, and plays a brilliant pass. So you, you get mistakes with young players, but it's also hugely exciting on the other hand to, to watch them develop, which is something we haven't we haven't seen too much at Sunderland really. There's probably, if the Sunderland squad are listening to this, Aidan O'Brien's probably listening thinking, hang on here, I scored a hat-trick against Blackpool and I haven't really had a mention yet. So a word for Aidan O'Brien, a brilliant performance um, by him. I, I tweeted that Although he scored a hat-trick against Championship opposition, there's a bit of a caveat there because it was a, a change side for Blackpool. But does he come into the league team? He's done everything right when he's been given his opportunities so far, but it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is a really difficult balance because you could equally turn around and say that, you know, that so far the, the team that's mainly played in the league has not done a lot wrong. They've lost one game against Burton in a game that, for the most part, they played fairly well in. So it's a really difficult decision you write a flag Aiden up I thought he was tremendous and it's easy to say when a player scores a hat-trick obviously that the player has played really well but I think it's worth stressing as well that his contribution to the game went well beyond just the goals he was obviously playing in a slightly wide role and I thought his tracking back his willingness to run up and down to support his his young teammates he was having a really tough time at fullback because of his quality of his opponent was excellent um, and I think to be fair I think that you know Johnson's always spoken really highly of Aidan O'Brien but what we've seen this year where O'Brien suffered so far is he obviously played that kind of second striker role because someone had Charlie Wyke up front they were playing a bit more of a direct style because of the players they've had and Johnson's obviously switched if you like that second striker role for an additional playmaker we've seen Embleton and Pritchard play that role and you have to say that it, it has improved the team. That's no slight on Aidan O'Brien. It's just that the attributes he has are slightly different. And it was really interesting to see him watch play that wide role because, you know, that willingness he's got to run makes a massive difference. That willingness to get in support of the striker it just gave someone a little bit of a different dimension. It made them a little bit less predictable in attack. 
Um, you know, he can't have done any more. It's a really good question whether he'll get into the side now, and I'm sure Lee Johnson will be asked about it at his press conference later today. Um, but you have to give him a lot of credit because what I would say about his performance, whether he plays on Saturday or not, is if we were looking at him a few days ago, a few weeks ago, saying it's hard to see where a second striker gets into this team, if he's going to produce that level of performance out wide, um, it gives Johnson another kind of tool to his armoury, if you like, another option to have, and it only improves his, his chances and credit to him for not sulking, for being played slightly out of position and rather than sort of disappearing in the game, just just making the most of it and putting himself right in the conversation. Um, really good scenes when he celebrated at the end because, yeah, I think the fans really enjoyed, like I say, not just the goals, you'll always get praise for scoring three goals, but I think the fans who were there took to his you know, it is defensive work rate, work rate as well. So massive, massive credit to him. Team selection against Blackpool, obviously Sirkin played. You had Alves, um, a debut for him. Huggins as well. Nathan Broadhead, we saw him. Jack Diamond, who's been, who's been possibly touted for a loan move. What did you make of Sutherland's fringe players coming into the squad? And, and where do you see Jack Diamond's future, actually? Because he did get the assist for the winner, didn't he? Diamond was really good. Really, really good. I thought he had probably... A little bit of a frustrating first half, not in that he played badly, but just he didn't really get the ball in those areas where he's got a defender one-on-one and he can really fire that crossing or what have you. Um, I thought his pressing was excellent. He looked like he really understood his role in that kind of system, that pressing system. And his, you know, the, his, his athleticism is so impressive. Um, he really looks like a minimum championship player in the way that he's able to run right into the late stages of the game, get up and down the pitch. I thought it was quite a mature performance from him and I thought he got his reward for the assist at the end. It's a difficult one in terms of the loan because at the moment I wouldn't loan him out because I think he's still a viable option. But what Johnson has alluded to um, last week was that they are looking at another player in that kind of position. And it's hard to make judgment, isn't it, when you don't know who that player is? Because if they're bringing in a player of a certain profile, then you might say, "Okay, well, fair enough. Let's loan Diamond out to another League One club for a year so he gets that experience. Fair enough. At the moment, I wouldn't be doing it, but if they bring in someone of a certain calibre, then um, then it might be worth doing. What I would say is that it's worth stressing that he's not being loaned out because they don't rate him. Um, you know, the people behind the scenes have been absolutely clear that you know they see Jack Diamond as a top-tier player. It may just be that they think for the short term he's, he's better off on loan. In terms of some of the other players, I thought Alves, I think, would be the first to say probably the pace of the game caught him out a little at first. He looked like someone who's been playing under 23s football for the last six months and suddenly didn't have quite the amount of time on the ball that he's used to. Um, but he quickly got the hang of that. And I thought the second half, I thought he did well before he went off with a little bit of cramp. Um, I was impressed with his, his sort of defensive ability. And Niall Huggins, I thought was excellent. Runs all day. Um, he's very obviously right-footed, which I think is interesting because he's arrived as someone who's played mostly at left-back. But watching that, he's going to be more than viable option at right-back, which helps the squad balance. So, yeah, I thought all these players looked like they're lacking a few minutes, um, which you would expect. Um, but I think they showed, showed some good signs as well. Seven players through the door so far. There's been a lot of talk as we approach the sort of um, last part of the transfer window. Reports that Sunderland are in the market for a goalkeeper. What are you expecting as the, um, as the clock ticks down? Yeah, well, I think that, I think is there's no doubt that they've definitely looked at goalkeepers and are still looking at goalkeepers. Um, I think Lee Burge's injury, um, Johnson's pretty clear that it's not as serious. So I don't think it's a scenario where they're desperate to get a striker in. 
Um, it's obviously been a bit of a strange one over the last week because at the moment they don't really have that third choice keeper, if you like. The plan this season was for Patterson to be number two and Jacob Carney to be number three. Jacob Carney's currently just got a little finger injury and they've brought in Jack McIntyre from Everton, who they want to sign, but at the moment he's still just on trial, so obviously he can't be registered. So the situation looks a little bit more critical than it probably is at the moment. If they felt they could bring in a, a goalkeeper with a certain stature and profile, um, I think they would do it, and then they would potentially consider a loan for Patterson, but I don't think it's necessarily seen as something that they deem is going to make or break the season, because Johnson keeps saying over and over again, you know, that he sees Anthony Patterson as the first team contender. And I think his performances so far, by and large, have proved that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been nice to, to witness his development as well. One question on fans' minds at the moment is the 4th of September game against Sheffield Wednesday, which could be postponed due to international call-ups. You need three, so then they've got two, Corey Evans and Niall Huggins. Do you think that game will, will go ahead or is it just too early to tell? Well, I think there's a lot of moving parts at the moment um, in terms of, um, obviously, there's big debates going on with the the government in terms of red list exemptions and what have you. I don't know how that affects. I think that's the key question. I'd be surprised at this point if Sunderland had three call-ups, but the expectation all the way through has been that Sheffield Wednesday probably would. Um, and I think they've still got a couple of players who they're waiting to hear on. Um so it's a really difficult one. I know it's quite frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for us as well because we all want to know what the situation is. I think by the end of today, we might have a much better sense of that. But at the moment, it looks like it's going to be probably Sheffield Wednesday's decision. I'm sure if they get up to three, they will probably postpone it, but we'll wait and see. Yep. Were you surprised to see Corey Evans included in the Northern Ireland squad given his, his injury? I know it was the, the start of September. The games are the start of September, but it's... Um... It's a, a sort of a worry if you're a Sunderland fan that he might be going off to play international football, given he's been so good when he has played. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that worry when important players go away. I mean, Lee Johnson did say last week um, that he had an outside chance of being available for this Saturday against Wickham. So I suppose if he's fit enough to face Wickham, then clearly he's fit enough to play, isn't he? But we'll get another update on that later today. As I said, Lee Johnson's press conference this afternoon. Um, I think it's always going to be a worry when Corey Evans goes away from national duty because, as he said, He's been a, a really good player. What I would say as well is that um, I thought Carl Winchester was excellent in centre midfield. And now that you've got Niall Huggins showing that he's a viable option at right back, it does give you the option to move Winchester into midfield. And I think you have to give him a lot of credit for the way he played the other night as well. So that eases my mind a little bit because although I think Corey Evans will be a really important player this season, you know, watching Neil and Winchester play with the quality and the tenacity they did the other night, um, I've got no qualms if those two are playing an important league game. I think they're good enough. Yeah, Winchester's one that he, he seems to really want uh, to grab this opportunity of, of playing for Sunderland. I think you, you referenced in your tweets for the Blackpool game, he, he went into a 50-50 pretty hard. He, he seems to really want to win that battle and, and prove himself at Sunderland Carl Winchester, which is a great attitude to have around the club. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is confidence as well. Um, I think that you know this run of the form he's been in at right back, I thought he's kind of grown in stature, hasn't he? Um, and you saw, I do feel a lot of that, you know, tenacity and um, conviction he played with. It, obviously, part of it comes from his attitude, which we all know is a very good one. But I think part of it just comes from confidence and feeling, feeling like a senior part of the team, feeling like a key member of the team. I think we're seeing him grow because he has that feeling. And I thought he's a lot, been a lot more vocal in the last couple of games than maybe I've noticed in the past. Um, and I think it's just a sign of someone who 
has taken a huge step up in terms of the club he's come to. And maybe it's taken him a little bit of time to, to feel comfortable, to feel like he's really, you know, a key part of it. And now that he has that, we're seeing him, we're seeing him grow along, mate, continue. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Lee Johnson referenced that when he had Winchester at Oldham, there was maybe opportunities for, for Winchester to play higher up earlier. It never seemed to happen. And I suppose it just shows that football's all about that opportunity, really. You need the opportunity to play, to play higher and hopefully your, your ability shines through. The Wickham game, Phil, obviously they're coming back down from the Championship, still under Gareth Ainsworth. They're going to be a, a threat this season, aren't they, in League One? Yeah, they are. They are. They've had an excellent start of the season and, and, and so far it looks like their recruitment's been very sound. We know exactly what they're going to get, we're going to get from Wickham. Um, they're going to be a really awkward opponent. They're going to be a real threat from set pieces. It's a big challenge for Sunderland. Um, you know, I think that we all know that they're going to try and play this more exciting brand of football, this more progressive style of football this season. We're all enjoying that. But we also know that there's going to be times in the season because it's League One where they're going to have to be really tough, where they're going to have to deal with a lot of set pieces, long throws, corners, second balls. Um, and to get promoted, you know, we know that you need to be able to do both as a side. Um, I actually thought, strangely enough, even though they lost the game, they actually did that side of it pretty well at Burton. Um, by and large, I thought they limited Burton. So they'll have to do that again. But I think it's a really, you know, I, I agree. I think it's a really good test. I think Wickham will be a difficult opponent. Um, you know, and if if they were able to come out with a with a win, then I think you'd be starting to look really positively about the, the season ahead. Absolutely. Obviously, we'll know a bit more later with Lee Johnson's press conference. But what are your thoughts in terms of team news for the Wickham game? What what are the key questions in, in the start eleven for you at the moment? Well, I, I think that although a lot of players put their hand up the other night, you don't expect them to make huge changes because they're still working fitness and the league team's been playing well. So I don't think it's going to be one of those where suddenly all of these players are, dro are dropped into the league side. But I think the biggest question is probably who's available in centre midfield and the, the decisions that then stem from there. Because if if 9 and Evans aren't available, and we'll find out later, then clearly it's probably going to be Neil and Winchester, which then means Hug maybe Huggin and Serkin will continue. You know, if he has got one or two of those kind of senior midfielders fit, um, then that might give him a more difficult decision in terms of whether he plays Winchester and Neil out of position again. So I kind of think probably the main question is those those two senior centre midfielders and, and the decisions he has to take from there. Would you expect Patterson to, to remain in goal as well with, with Burge's little niggle and injury? Yeah, I think he probably will. I think we might see Burge come back into the squad, but I think... I think he might give Patterson another go unless until Burge is fully recovered because I think you trust Patterson and, and wants to have another look at him. So, yeah, I, I think it could be Patterson, yeah. Good stuff, right, Phil? Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. You can subscribe um, and get all of our content, content on the Sunderland Echo website. Uh, this has been another edition of the Raw Podcast and thank you very much for listening once again. Mm -hmm.